Hi, Sandra. Hi, Kenny. Can everybody hear me now? All right. Good morning. Thanks for coming to Sunday school. We get ready to begin here this morning. I'd like to ask Brother Ron to pray. Larry, that thing sounds kind of loud. Is it loud? Okay. Okay. All right. Amen. We're going to talk about having confidence in the midst of conflict. We don't all respond to conflict the same way. Many people avoid conflict at all costs. Others seek to win every conflict at any cost. While there are times when we must stand our ground, Often conflicts are about issues of personal desires. God calls us to place the needs of others before our own. Doing this can sometimes call for personal sacrifice. But even then, we can trust that God will provide what we need to live our lives in obedience to Him. The setting here... We, in Genesis in 11, 12, and this week uh, chapter 13 a little bit, Abram and Lot had returned from Egypt. We know last week that they journeyed there because of the great famine in the land. Now they've returned back to Bethel. They're wealthier than when they had left. Remember Pharaoh sent them out of there and let them take everything that he had given them uh, back with them just to get them out of there and to not have any more conflict or they were fear, fearful of the Lord God Almighty so to not incur any more wrath they sent them packing with everything that they had given them. Now they're back and they could not remain together because the land would not support them both. Abram graciously chose to avoid conflict by suggesting that Lot take his possessions and leave. But he allowed Lot to decide which land would be his. Lot's choice would lead to his demise. And Abram would call on the Lord and receive new and wonderful promises. There's the whole key in this conflict and the example given here in Scripture, Lot looked out and saw what he wanted and took that. He looked at things from a worldly perspective. But Abram waited on the Lord 
to give him what would be his possession. And sometimes that's what we need to do is just wait and see what the Lord may want to give us instead of us imposing our will and getting what we think that we should have or, or want. There's a question here. What's the smallest thing that you've seen somebody fight about? My brother and I used to fight over the last donut. We used to, we would hide them. And just little things like that, you know, growing up. But you know, even as adults, I've seen people uh, get upset over the least little thing and it escalate into something uh, bad. Let's go ahead and read this morning, Kenny. I see you're ready. Chapter 13, verses 5 through 8. All right, Kenny, good job. In any kind of relationship, whether it's in, in the church, it could be uh, within your immediate family, it could be in your workplace, you're going to have relational tension. And you can't escape it. The tension in some time, in some relationships may have been stirring like a steady current for a long time. Others suddenly come out of nowhere like a heavy gust of wind. So let's take some cues from Abram to see how he navigated the waters of his relationship. What did, what did Abram do to resolve this uh, problem? They both got way too many cattle. And they're in there, the Canaanites and the Perizzites are in the land already. And they had dibs on things because they lived there first. So what was left is for Abram and Lot to divvy up or uh, manage there so they could uh, stay. Abram took the step to initiate that the conflict be resolved. He placed Lot's need above his need. And that's what the Bible calls us to do, to place the needs of others above those of our own. The material blessings of Lot were due in large part to the fact that he went with Abram. Abram was his uncle. He loved Lot. And I'm sure that through 
dwelling together as they did, that he looked favorably to Lot and maybe a blessed Lot on occasion with cattle or uh, substance that he had. Lot and Abram had so much wealth they could not stay together. Oh, I got him. The conflict arose first between the herdsmen in the field. Let me throw them to you. Plus, the summer months would have been especially difficult since it was so dry in that area. Abram and his nephew Lot had too many animals and not enough grazing land. So they began to quarrel with one another, the herdsmen. It also says in the scripture that it indicates that Abram said, let there not be any strife between you and me. So Abram and Lot may have had uh, words with each other too over this. There was also an insufficient amount of water for everyone and their animals. The Canaanite had been living in the land for many years, and this was an idolatrous, evil people who were a persistent enemy of Israel. Less is known about the Perizzites. They are one of the tribes who dwell, who dwelt in the land of Canaan, and that was often mentioned along with the Canaanites. Though God had brought Abram to the promised land, it was not his yet. In Genesis 15, 13, God told Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. What's that talking about? Yes. Yes. They said it was uh, 400, but it was approximately, I think, 430 years that they spent in the land of Egypt. But that time is still to come. For now, he was back in the promised land, even if it was only temporary again. God was gracious to the Canaanites and the Perizzites because he allowed them to uh, remain in the land, but judgment was going to come. He gave them time to repent and to uh, see the error of their ways. But however it would not come, Judgment eventually would come to the Canaanites and the Perizzites, but it would not come until the iniquity of the Amorites reached its full measure. Canaanites and Amorites are synonymous. It's referring to the same people. And that's talked about in chapter 10, verses 15 and 16. 
it talks about the Amorites. Abram wanted to avoid conflict in the family. The argument started in the field, and Abram graciously proposed a solution to end the conflict. If Lot agreed, the dispute would be resolved, and there would be peace in the family. His solution helped to prevent future conflict between the two men. Abram could have told Lot what to do. He was the elder, but he allowed Lot to choose. And Abram knew that if Lot was going to receive any blessing, it was going to be contingent on his relationship with God. So if later on his choice, he couldn't go back and blame Abram, but well, it was your fault because you made me choose to go here. Uh, it was Lot's choice uh, to do what he did. Family relationships are important, too important to allow possessions to cause division. How often do we see, even now in the court system, uh, estates being settled where a will has been declared and there's people that want to challenge that. And I've seen families split apart and never speak to each other again over a piece of furniture and uh, possessions that, that someone had in, in the family. I've seen it within my own family. God wanted Abram to be a blessing to others. God was working in the life of Abram to make that happen. He wants us to be a blessing to others as well. So by allowing God to work in our lives, when we see conflicts arise or uh, on the horizon, by following God and asking His direction and how to resolve or what action to take or what direction we should uh, take, we want to honor God with however we handle these situations and not be selfish and prideful and it's got to be my way or the highway. And often that leads to serious conflict. Abram wanted to see God's blessing on Lot and he knew that quarreling would not bring benefit to either one of them. Ab here, this is key. Abram's heart and character were right before God and his offer to resolve the conflict would be honorable and compassionate. God makes relationships right by making our hearts right and Abram's heart was full of love for his nephew. You can't hate somebody over, over a conflict with them. Not, not anymore. Not since you've given your life to the Lord. You, you, can't, you can't go there anymore. Go ahead, Ronnie. No. It's very easy to, 
to get selfish over possessions and, and want to have things. I'll tell myself here in this a story from back when I was hauling trash. Back years ago before I got saved, I was always bringing things home and finding stuff in the trash. And I worked with a guy that he liked that stuff too. And he would find something or I would find something and we used to go at it over that stuff. And years later, I saw him and uh, I apologized to him that I had ever acted like that. I was in church and saved then, but uh, would just told told him that uh, Yep, I still got it. That was uh that began a sequence of events that uh saved saved my soul, saved my life. Let let's go ahead and read some more verses here. Lot journeyed east, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. But that is significant, and it's significant in Scripture. And I'll show you some examples of it. Yes. Lot thought that he was getting the best for what he desired, but it led to his demise. Go ahead, Terry. Oh. Yes. That's right. And he was only spared uh, when the angels came and uh, told him to get out because they were going to destroy the city. He wanted to, they wanted him to go to the mountains and uh, stay there. But he wanted to uh, go to a little city. Uh, Zoar, I think, is where it was. I'll see here. Yeah, Zoar, I believe. And uh, Zoar was spared, but only because of Lot being there. And the, the angels allowed him to go and remain in that city. 
we face a decision anytime conflict arises in our relationships. Do we ignore the issue or confront it? I'm about not ignoring it, but I'm not about confrontation anymore. I used to be, but God's changed my heart about that. I'd rather just turn and walk away than uh, get into it with someone over something. Do we keep moving toward unity because the tension and conflict is not is just not worth it? Things can happen in conflict in relationships that take years to heal. Words said or actions taken that may never heal. And I've seen that too. Deep resentment over something that was said or done and forgiveness never comes. Go to their grave carrying it. This is especially true in the church and with relationships among believers. We cannot control the attitudes and actions of another individual or group, but we can control our own attitude and actions. We must evaluate our role by asking, am I doing my part to maintain peace? Have I done everything I can do to resolve the conflict? And that's the course that we should take. And if it can't be resolved, then we need to walk away from it. Don't we? Instead of stay in the, uh, the confrontation about it. Separate yourself from it. Yes. Abram's solution to the conflict with Lot was simple and generous. Told Lot to separate from him, he allowed Lot to choose whichever land he desired. Now Abram is growing in his faith, and he knew that God would provide for him. That's the attitude that we should have too. God will take care of me, but we must honor God by, by how we uh, handle our, our situation. Abram loved Lot, wished the best for him, so he would let Lot choose which land he wanted. Abram had his heart set on pleasing God and not on selfish gain. He was learning to love the Lord with all his heart, and love others as he loved himself. Paul would later say in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Abram's heart was full of love for Lot. He loved Lot. And Abram was not fearful of what the future would hold for him. Perfect love casteth out fear. 1 John 4.18 Abram knew that future blessings for Lot would be dependent on Lot's love for God. So Abram made sure that Lot would have no reason to be upset with him at this critical juncture in the relationship. 
Abram uh, demonstrated the importance of putting the needs of others before our own needs, a principle Paul later spelled out. Any principle from God's Word is the right one. But let's be honest, putting the needs of others before our own doesn't always sit so well, especially in a conflict situation. It can be done, but we must humble ourselves to do it. Lot had his heart set on pleasing himself. He had not grown in his faith to love God with all his heart. His love was for this world, so he looked to see what land would be best for himself. The exact site of Zoar is probably south of the Dead Sea, though there is some question about its excuse me, precise location. Lot probably could not see Zoar from where he stood, but what he saw in that direction was beautiful to behold. Let's talk about Lot going east. In Genesis 3.24, the cherubim were placed to the east of the Garden of Eden which suggests the Lord drove out Adam and Eve east. He made them go east out of the garden. When Cain went out of the Lord's presence, he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Genesis 4.16 In Genesis 11.2 indicates people journeyed from the east, but it can mean They traveled eastward. In the land of Shinar, which was Babylon, they built the Tower of Babel. Traveling eastward may have symbolized descending into sin or exile at times. The symbolism is suggestive, but Lot's actions indicate he made a choice based on his desires and not God's guidance. He didn't seek the Lord of what choice to make when Abram told him to, you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. He made a selfish choice and chose which was the best, which looked the best. It was so beautiful that Lot imagined it to be like the Garden of Eden like the beautiful fertile land he had seen in Egypt, which had been watered by the Nile River, his choice was easy to make. Hey, if you're standing there and you got 10,000 cattle and you got uh, the opportunity to go where the water is and the green grass, you're probably going to make that choice as well. What makes placing others' needs before our own so challenging? Hey, I want it my way. That's what's challenging. We're selfish. We like things to work out the way we want them to. We don't want to get out of our comfort zone. But God may be challenging us 
to grow us in our faith and trust in Him. As humble as Abram was, his descendant, Jesus, was a far greater model of humility. Jesus willingly and gladly laid down his life for us, taking the death that we deserved as his own. As Christ followers, we are to lean into his example and practice humility. The only way we can truly maintain humility in any conflict is to run our words and actions through the filter of Jesus. We said a couple of weeks ago, the bracelets, what would Jesus do? The real question is, what did Jesus do? And follow that course. Would Jesus be honored? Would He be pleased with how we handle a, a situation? This is a lesson we may have to learn every day, but it is a lesson, a principle, worth fighting for. When we do so, a lot of conflicts can be avoided altogether and relationships can be restored. I think as you get older and you've been in some tussles, so to speak, emotionally with people, you begin to mellow out a little bit. You start getting smarter. And uh, as God changes your heart and your life, you don't want to be a part of that conflict anymore. If you've ever been in your life where you had to go through conflict continuously or on a daily basis or be in a relationship with someone, I'm not talking about a, a man and woman relationship, but maybe a work relationship or uh, maybe... Uh, a step-parent, or uh, somebody like that, that no way of escape. You're there and you got to deal with it. When you get older, you're just not about that anymore. Yeah. Well, you start learning that that, that stuff's not not important anymore. It just can't be resolved. Uh, let's go ahead and read these last verses. Now, I love I love this passage because let me give you just a little prelude here. When Lot chose to take the fertile plain, now Abram's standing there What's he thinking now? Man, I just messed up. I gave him the best choice and gave him the choice and he took the best. What am I going to do now? And maybe he felt abandoned by God. But look here in these verses, these next verses. Terry. Yes. Yeah, that's what I, I'm alluding to. 
that, you know, you're trying to be righteous in all this and the choice is made and it goes down and you're like, oh man, what just happened there? So you can imagine Abram kind of feeling like that. But notice here that God speaks to him. And notice here, notice here in these verses, if someone would like to read those. What does God promise Abram right there? This is all going to be yours. Even the land that Lot has chosen for himself, it's going to eventually be yours. Abram only needed to trust and obey God, and God would provide all he needed and more. And we have that same promise as well for ourselves. We may think we know what we need, but God knows what we need much better than we do. God would give to Abram all the land that Abram could see and even more than he could see. And God promised that territory would be his and his descendants forever. That his descendants would be as numerous as the dust. You ever take a good look at dust? Dust on the hood of your car? That's a lot of particles. And you're talking about the dust of the earth. That, that's innumerable. We're not talking here just about uh, physical descendants of Abram, but spiritual descendants of Abram. Uh, people that would later on believe in Jesus. God promised that the land would belong forever to the descendants of Abram. God promised Abram even more. No one can count how much dust there is on the earth, and Abram would have more. Abraham would have more descendants than anybody could count. What's that, Ronnie? Six million. God also told Abram to get up and walk around the land that he would give to him. That is symbolic language to indicate legal ownership. 
the kings of the Egyptians and the Hittites would take ceremonial walks around the territories that they claimed. And God would later tell the Israelites, every place where on the soles of your feet shall tread shall be yours. So if you're out there walking on it, it's yours. It's symbolic of ownership. Now Abram is learning to obey God without hesitation. Abram's response was to obey the Lord immediately. He knew what God wanted him to do, and he did it right away. That's sometimes where I mess up. I know what God wants me to do, but I'm kind of slow about doing it immediately. It may take me a while to, to finally get it. Abram came and dwelt in the land or in the plain of Mamre. The plain of Mamre was not a town or a site at this time. It is the personal property of an Amorite named Mamre. Now here's how these guys tie together. Who, along with his two brothers, Eshcol and Aner, would later join forces with Abraham to defeat the kings who had attacked the city-states where Lot was living at that time. Remember when uh, Lot got taken hostage? Well, they come and told Abram, and Abram was confederate with Mamre, Eshcol, and Aner. They went together and, and rescued Lot. In exchange for uh, Abram being able to, to use their land or maybe to pasture his cattle. If there was any kind of conflict that they would run into, they would go together and help each other out. It was kind of Abram's uh, way of uh, sustaining that relationship with them. In exchange for letting us graze our cattle here, hey, if you have any problems, let me know and I'll bring my, my crew and we'll take care of it. The plain of Mamre was at Hebron. Hebron is the highest city in Palestine at a little over 3,000 feet above sea level. It's about 19 miles south, southwest of Jerusalem. The place Abram lived also referred to to as Mamre, is a couple of miles north of Hebron. It had been a well-watered and fertile region for more than 5,000 years. It's also the location of Machpelah, the patriarchal burial site that Abram purchased from Sarah. Abram made his home there. He would travel occasionally, but that was basically his home base uh, from then on. We can't control reconciliation, but we can forgive. Forgiving another person can be hard, extremely hard, but it's the most healing thing to do. It takes two for reconciliation to occur, 
but we can still forgive regardless of how the other person responds. Forgive and trust God to work in the hearts of others. We keep trusting that God will break through the walls. If you're carrying a chip on your shoulder about somebody or someone, who's that affecting? It's not hurting them any. You're the one bearing that burden. So get rid of it. Forgive them. And quit dwelling on it. You can't change what happened. Let it go. Forgive them. And move on. And see what God's got in store for you. He don't want you to dwell there. Let it go. I thank you for your time. Uh-huh. This place here, Macpila, and I'll share this. Along with Sarah, the Israelites would bury Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Rebekah, and Leah at Macpelia. That was a significant place for them.